the scripture reading for um, all of this week is James. James 1, James 2, James 3, James 4, and then James 5, all during the week. And then Saturday we'll go to Ephesians chapter 4, 17 to 27. Um, the guy who wrote this book is James, the brother of Jesus. We read in the Gospels that early, early on in Jesus' ministries, his family, his half-brothers, did not believe him. It's tough to believe family when they say, uh, hey, I'm the son of God, amen? Look at Joseph, right? Joseph had dreams that he, uh, he shared with his family and uh, didn't go over too well for him. But eventually, James became the pastor, the first church in Jerusalem. And um, he served for 20 years. A few years after writing this gospel epistle, James uh, suffered stoning and, and died in, in Jerusalem. So James is writing to a, a bunch of Jews that have dispersed because of persecution. They've left their homes, they've left their, their lands, they've gone to foreign lands just to live. And in these foreign lands, um, they've suffered so much abuse and lacking provision, lacking uh, the knowledge and the know-how on how to survive. They were persecuted by the Roman government. They were persecuted by the Jewish religious hierarchy, the, the bureaucracy of religion. They didn't have an apostle. They, they were kind of just gathering together. They understood the Old Testament law. They had an understanding of the 600 laws. They, they knew what to do, but they understood that they were in the new covenant now. The new covenant is based on a heart transformation. It's based on trust. It's based on love. It's based on loving God and, and loving others. They needed a detailed kind of manual to practically live out in an outward way the expressions of grace and truth and love that God has put in our hearts. Isn't it true? Now, when I was an athlete, was is the key, key word, um, we would practice and practice drills and drills and drills and practice. And then we were like, coach, let us in the game. Let us play. Let us get in the mix, right? Um, these Jewish believers were in the thick of it. They were being abused. They were, they were hurting. They didn't know if God really cared. We look at our lives today and sometimes we have self-pity parties, don't we? And we get in a mindset and we go with it. Like an avalanche, sometimes we just can't. So yeah, these, uh, these Jewish believers were, were hurting. They were having uh, self-pity parties. They knew that their lives were transformed. James understands that they were in Christ. James 1, 2 to 4, he tells them that their faith is maturing. It's being tested. In chapter 1, he talks about a faith that is being perfected or matured or made to completion. Um, James chapter 4 said the spirit within them zealously desires them. James 1.18, he chose them to give spiritual birth to them. He brought us forth by the enduring words of God. He calls them God's prized possession. 
the first fruits of God's kingdom revelation of the Holy Spirit's work. James knew that the Christians scattered all over the world faced challenges. This passage of scripture that we read here talks about being quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to anger. For the anger of man does not fulfill the righteousness of God. We face frustrations every day. We could really work ourselves up by naming various frustrations that we all experience on a daily basis. Little things. A guy cuts in front of you on the road. Frustration. Frustration is the feeling of being upset or annoyed, especially because of the inability to change something. The prevention of the progress, success, or fulfillment of something in our lives, we are frustrated. Let me tell you something today. Frustration and the anger of man should never, ever be a part, habitually, a pattern in a Christian's life. Amen? The potter throws a pot in the oven and bakes it, and the way he tests it to see if its, if its solidity is good is he takes it out of the oven and he thumps it. And if it has a certain ring, if it has a certain sing to it, he knows that that piece of pottery or that pot is done. It's complete. It's matured. Isn't it true that in our lives, God thumps us? Isn't it true? Did he take you out the oven today? Did he take you out the oven this week and give you a good thumping? Did you sing or was it a big thud? For the Christian, the tests and trials that we go through put us in the oven of God's grace to mold us and shape us. It's not easy. It's hard. But realize this one thing. As a Christian, you never run from the battle of tribulation or trial. You run straight into it, knowing that God has you and that God will perfect you and that God is going to mature you and God will give you a patience and an endurance and a confidence that at the end of it, you will be complete and mature. The Bible says that Jesus learned obedience through what he suffered. He was known as the man of sorrow. He suffered and he bled and he died. But his joy was to do the will of God who sent him. Amen? Isn't that a paradox for us today as Christians? We have this deep, deep sorrow of trials and tribulations that are pounding us. Sometimes like a tsunami that just cracks us and hits us. But yet, in the heat of it, we have this awesome joy of the Lord that becomes our strength. Amen? The joy of the Lord is our strength. In the midst of your tsunami, in the midst of your circumstance today, know that God desires to put you in the oven. Don't run from the oven. Place yourself in it. Let him cook you. Amen? Let him heat you up. The greatest feeling for a Christian is to be taken out of the, the oven 
the refining fire of God and let God thump you and you begin to sing to the glory of God. Amen? Trials and tribulations, let me, let me tell you this, are our friend. Let me say that again. Trials and tribulations are our friend because it conforms us to the image of Jesus Christ, which is our greatest passion, our greatest desire, and the will of God for our life. Do we run into trouble? Oh, I feel like being abused, so God will, will bless me. No. Things naturally come along in life. Jesus said, in this life, you will have trouble. Amen? But that trouble and that tribulation and even that temptation is there to mold us and shape us into the glory of God so that God can use us for our glory. And what he wants to do is he wants to get our eyes off of ourself so that we can be free. The Bible speaks about this perfect law of liberty we look into. I remember when, when I was a teenager, I'd look in the mirror. You know, long hair. Yeah. And you girls know this as well. You're walking, if there's any kind of a mirror image, even on a window, you know, you check it out, you look it out, right? Um, we do that a lot. The Bible says when we look into the law of liberty and don't do what it says, we forget who we are. We forget where our identity is. And our identity gets wrapped up in whatever we look at after that. Isn't that something? Obedience is a sheer desire to look into the law of liberty and have this wonderful feeling of, ah. Everybody go, ah. One more time. Ah. Ah. <laughs> For me, okay, The awe of God is having an active heart that hears. A-H-H, an active heart that hears the wooing and the call of the Holy Spirit on your life to do whatever he says you to do, to say whatever he says you to say, and to be whatever he wants you to be. An active heart that hears from God. Jesus likened the Pharisees to those guys that just listened. They listened with their ears, but their hearts were far from him. Amen? Jesus told people, don't, don't practice the way the Pharisees do. If they're speaking the law, do what they say, but don't do what they do, because their heart was not in it. Every time that we pick up the word of God, we ask the Lord, Lord, there's something in me today that you want to get out, and there's something in the word of God that you want to place in my heart today. Amen? To transform me and change me for his glory. We go on this life from glory to glory and faith to faith, ever maturing in the word of God, the implanted word of God. You have a seed in you. It's not the seed of the devil. It's the seed of God. Amen? Amen? 
Not a demon seed. Maybe you were told that when you were a kid. I was. It's not that. It's the seed of God. And when we look at trials as something that God can use as fertilizer, as water, as the sun to grow that seed of God within us, we blossom and we become a beautiful flower, a tree planted by the rivers of water. Amen? Basking in His presence, living out this adventure to live for God and be everything that we can be for God. It's hard, hard work because our flesh does not want that. The Bible says the spirit and the flesh, they fight. In James 1.18, the Bible says that the spirit of God zealously envies your spirit and he's going after you. Amen? Scandalously loving you with everything that he has and everything that he does is for you to turn your spirit over to God. Be born from above and come into the kingdom of God. And now we have this kingdom perspective where we live our life for God. James speaks to the Jews. The Jews remember the Israelites, how they were disciplined, right? How they were plundered, how they were ransacked, how they were taken into exile. These Jews that were abroad wanted to come into this life of God that will see them through. And it's all because of the, of the Holy Spirit who is our comforter. Are you filled with the Holy Spirit today? Are you baptized in the Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit is the one that does the work. Amen? So, how do we have an outward practical expression of the inward experience of God's transforming grace and truth. How do we have a practical expression? James gives us, throughout the entire book, ways to practically express ourselves in the wisdom of God and in the way that God can bless us and change us and transform us. The definition of practical is to be concerned with the actual doing or use of something rather than with theory and ideas. Right? How many are theory and ideas people? How many love to take theories and ideas and put them into practical use? Amen? Right? We've done the blessing bags. We have the food pantry. We have various ministries that go on throughout the entire year. Those are practical expressions that you can be involved in. But here's the thing. The practical expression is the expression of your heart after God. You see what I'm saying? Weird, weird verse. Picture this now. Luke chapter 11, verse 27 and 28. He was speaking. A woman in the crowd called out, God bless your mother, the womb from which you came, and the breasts that nursed you. Jesus replied, go away, woman, you're weird. No, he didn't say that. He said, but even more blessed are all you who hear the word of God and put it into practice. Amen? What he was saying in a roundabout way is, listen, just because you're hanging out with me and you're in my presence doesn't mean a thing. Just because you're here in church and you're around the love and you're around the fellowship doesn't mean a thing. If you're not putting into practice the word of God, practically making expressions of his love to a lost and dying world. James was telling 
the Jewish believers to look into the perfect law of God, which is to love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor at yourself, as yourself. Let that love loose. This is the essence of what a Christ follower is. One who takes Christ and allows him to shine through the broken places and the cracks in our lives. Amen? How many of you are cracked? How many of you are cracked pots? See, the amazing thing is, God loves to take the weak things to confound the strong. Amen? He loves to take the unknowledgeable to confound the wise. His ways are not our ways. He loves to take you as you are, put you in the oven, and tell you that I am going to use you. Even when you say there's no way, God. Amen? Let me give you a word of advice. Never say never with God, okay? Ever, never, never say never with God. God has a way of making himself true and every man a liar, if you know what I'm saying. We are here to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. And how do we do that? First of all, we're quick to listen. Are you able to put off your cares and your concerns to put your eyes towards other brothers and sisters? Be quick to listen. Right? You might be feeling overwhelmed and incapacitated with circumstances and suffering and problems. God is telling you, that's okay, I got you. Be quick to listen. Turn your eyes on a brother and sister hear their care, to hear their concerns. Amen? Okay? Bro, you got to do something with that, okay? All right? Yeah, sorry. Turn your eyes on to someone else. Quick to listen, slow to speak. How many times this week did you speak, and as the words were coming out, you were like, no! Pull them back. You ever, right? Quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to anger. We live in a world, guys, where people are so frustrated, so angry, so polarized with Democrats against Republicans and blacks against whites and police against criminals. That's a normal one. That's okay. Okay. Um, Just so many things that polarize us. The anger of man does not fulfill the righteousness, the right choiceness of God in your life. You cannot serve God and make right choices when you're angry and when you're frustrated, when you're offended. Ephesians chapter 4 tells us, be angry and sin not because you will give place to the devil, a foothold to the devil in your heart and life. Frustration, anger, offense shall not be part of a child of God because we've looked into the perfect law of liberty and we have been set free. Amen? 
We're crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, we live, not, uh, not us, but Christ lives in us. And the beautiful idea of death, burial, and resurrection is once we've, ex once we've experienced Christ, we've died to ourselves and we've been raised to new life. Amen? As Bill Sullivan says, you can't wound a dead man. You can't hurt a dead man. You're dead to the things of this world, dead to sin, but alive to Christ. Amen? And alive to God. Anger, frustration, and offense gives the devil a foothold. And a foothold is when you secure a position in someone's life. When we're angry and frustrated and we take offense and reproach against people, we allow the devil to get a foothold in us, to exercise his power and authority in our lives and bring oppression upon us. The only avenue of attack that he has is deception. That's it. And we don't line ourselves up to the word of God. We don't have a, an active heart that hears the word of God. We give the devil a foothold and we wonder why we're oppressed. We wonder why we're frustrated. We wonder why we're, we're angry. We wonder why God isn't with us. Because the enemy is taking control over your life. You've given him power and you've given him authority. Get rid of offenses. Get rid of anger. Get rid of frustrations. And sin not. Amen? Be free. What happens then is, as we obey the Lord, the fruit of the Spirit starts evolving in our hearts and lives. Isn't it true? The fruit of the Spirit, which is way, way different from what I am. Amen? That's why it's called the fruit of the Spirit. It's not the fruit of Dan Cudmore. The fruit of Dan Cudmore is something that you don't want to experience. The fruit of the Spirit is something that is awesome. Let's turn over to Galatians chapter 5, okay? Galatians chapter 5. You guys hot in here? If you're hot, just think about that oven that God wants you in, okay? And let that be kind of like a, you know, thing that, yeah. Okay. Galatians chapter 5. Let's go with verse 16, okay? So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us desires that are the opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other, so you are not free to carry out your good intentions. But when you are directed by the Spirit, you are not under obligation to the law of Moses. When you follow the, the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, yuck, 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 dissension, division, envy, drunkenness with parties and other sins like these. Let me tell you again, as I have said before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God because they don't have the Spirit of Christ. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Oh, oh. Everybody say, ah. Oh. As we read this, ah. Oh. We need the fruit of the Spirit. Amen. One more time with me. 
Let's have a heart that actively hears the Word of God. The Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. There is no law against these things. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to the cross, crucified them there. Since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading. In every part of our lives, let us not become conceited or provoke one another or be jealous of one another. Let's go over to Ephesians chapter 4. And let's read verses, start with verse 17, okay? A good portion of Scripture here, Ephesians chapter 4. And verse 17. With the Lord's authority, I say this. Live no longer as the Gentiles do, for they are hopeless, hopelessly confused. Their minds are full of darkness. They wander from the life God, get, God gives because they have closed their minds and hardened their hearts against him. They have no sense of shame. They live for lustful pleasure and eagerly practice every kind of impurity. But that isn't what you learned about Christ. Since you have, had, since you have heard about Jesus... And have learned the truth that comes from him. Throw off your sinful nature and your former way of life. Which is corrupted by lust and deception. Instead, let the spirit renew your thoughts and your attitudes. Let the spirit renew your thoughts and your attitudes. Put on your new nature, created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. So stop telling lies. Let us tell our neighbors the truth, for we are all parts of the same body, and don't sin by letting anger control you. Don't let the sun go down while you are still angry, for anger gives a foothold to the devil. If you are a thief, quit stealing. Instead, use your hands for good hard work and then give generously to others in need. Don't use foul or abusive language. Let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. Do not bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit by the way you live. Remember, he has identified you as his own, guaranteeing that you will be saved on the day of judgment. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, and slander, as well as the types of evil behavior. Instead, be kind to each other, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. Amen? God has forgiven all of your sins which are many, I know, and has forgiven all of my sins. Someone has sinned against us. Out of that abundance of the forgiveness of God that we experience, we can flush that person with God's forgiveness and say, I forgive you. Because God has wiped my slate clean and I'm forgiven. Amen? Man. We are to glorify God and enjoy Him forever. How do we enjoy God? How do you enjoy God? We practically live out His righteousness with fun and adventure. Amen? When everybody's swimming downstream, we're swimming up. When everybody's out for themselves, we are more concerned about the reputation and fame of Jesus Christ. 
When we are mistreated and neglected and abandoned, we prefer others. We lift up others. We look to the needs and cares of others and not ourselves. When everybody's bound up in frustration and confusion and even fear about the future, when people are in desperation about what Paul calls these light momentary afflictions compared to the great glory of God, even now in our heart and life, but what we will experience in heaven. We rest in his unchanging grace. Grace and mercy that meets us every morning. To see, see you through and get you through the day. His transforming grace this morning can give you a peace that passes all of your understanding. When you look at a situation and circumstance and you have the peace of God, you look back in your life and you say, wait a minute, before I used to react a little bit different. Now I have this sense of peace. The Bible says that his peace mounts guard over our heart and mind in Christ Jesus. And he gives us peace. Frustration and anger strips the peace of God from your heart and life. Do you need peace today? Do you need the joy of the Lord today? Do you need the love of God to forgive and to bless those that have hurt you, those have, that have wounded you? Do you need the grace of God in your heart to flow in, strip out the frustration so that you can look at people just as Christ looks at them, broken, hurting, abandoned, afraid, in need of Jesus. Freeing. Look into the perfect law of liberty. When you look into the perfect law of liberty, he reveals to you what you are. Doesn't leave you there. Then he reveals to you what you will become. Amen? And you're like, yeah, let's get it on. And then trials and tribulations. <laughs> to put you in that oven. To bake you. And to make you. To shake you. So that the grace of God would be evident in your lives and the lives of others. Frustration and anger does not fulfill the righteousness of God in your life. See, what happens when we get frustrated and angry, we all of a sudden desire to get justice. Isn't that true? That person has hurt me. I want justice. It's not up to you to get justice. The Bible says, vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. I will repay. Isn't that true? I will repay. The Bible in the Old Testament says an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. Yeah, that's justice, I guess. But he gave it this way because if you take my eye out, Kelly, I'm going for your head. So just watch that, okay? Just watch it. Isn't that human nature? You take my eye, I'm going to take your head. We do not judge people. We are not jury. We are not judge. We are not executioner. The judge is Jesus Christ. And here's the thing. We place our justice on the cross of Christ where he became a curse for us. And all the wrath and judgment of God was upon him. And when we look back, back at that work, we see that we are free to love and to serve and to give. We don't need to judge. The judge is coming and he will wreak havoc on a world 
that turns their back on God. We leave judgment up to the King of kings and the Lord of lords, who everyone will stand before, bow their knee, confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Have you been fighting for your justice? Have you been fighting for what's right? Have you been trying to change people's opinions about something where you, 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 you make them feel what you feel? Sometimes it's not going to happen. You need to forgive, amen? And you need to let it go. God has something new and wonderful for each of us as we approach what God has for Steel City Church in the future. We don't know what God has, but we know that God has us in his hands and our life and times are in his hands. But we are going to be a people that actively hear the heart of God, actively pursue the righteousness of God and allow the perfect law of liberty to change us as we look into the mirror of God's glory he changes us from glory to glory to glory. Are you up for the ride, people? Are you ready to be changed? It's early yet. It's not three o'clock. Maybe there's something in your heart that you've been fighting. Whenever frustration and anger comes into our hearts, we say to God, God, get off that throne now. We place ourselves on the throne and we take initiative over our own lives. That's not what a Christian does. A Christian has given over his life to Christ. Christ is our master. What he tells us to do, we do. If he's telling you to forgive, forgive. If he's telling you to let that anger go, get rid of it. Do whatever you got to do to get free of that. So the devil does not have a foothold in your life to exercise his power and authority over your heart and in your life to bring oppression. What happens when I get frustrated and anger, angry? I feel the oppression of the enemy upon my life. I can't have that. I can't have that for my family, and I can't have that for my life. And I say, God, I need to actively hear your words in my heart and free me now. It's only by the power of the Holy Spirit that he can free you today as we look into the perfect law of liberty. It was a wonderful story of this prostitute that felt the love and grace of Jesus Christ, and she had an alabaster box, a perfume ointment that was worth, it wasn't her inheritance, it was worth a year's salary. She came in to Jesus and poured it on his feet. She began to weep and she began to wash his feet with her hair. Pharisees were like, ooh, if he was godly, he would know who she is and that she is touching him. Well, duh, he's the son of God. He knows, okay? And he was saying to her, this act will be a memorial of my death until I come. What God wants to do is he wants to put you in a position where you can offer your alabaster box, finally be free, pour it out at his feet, live our lives as a memorial of his death, burial, and resurrection until we see it face to face. Got it?
OK. I'm going to ask Daryl to come. And I'm going to ask him to play that favorite song that I love. You know which one it is. Altar. Jesus is waiting. Come to the altar. Okay? Maybe there's something in your heart and life. Maybe the Holy Spirit is stirring something right now. All right? And he's telling you, give it up. Give it over. Do it now. And as we worship him for just a few moments, maybe there's a work that the Holy Spirit will do that you'll be changed for eternity and you'll be free. Amen? Free to be a memorial for Jesus for the rest of your life.